welcome to the Strange Matters Podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss anything just outside the norm, ranging from the bizarre and unexplained to the supernatural and paranormal and everything in between. I am Sean, and I will be the host of this episode. For this episode, we will be discussing a number of personal paranormal stories that people have sent in to share with us. For a while, we've been asking our listeners to send in their own creepy and spooky stories and experiences. We've got a pretty good number of pretty strange and unnerving stories that people are willing to share with us. And these tales include ghosts, hauntings, mysterious sightings, and just a whole bunch of other unexplained phenomena. So for this episode, we have picked a select few of the bunch that we have received that we felt were particularly scary and entertaining. And so today we'll be sharing those stories with you listeners as well. So let's begin with our first story. To start off this episode, we'll share a story by one of our listeners, Carlos Baltz, who also goes by his nickname, Alone. He's also the brother of Kristaps, who helped us with our Chernobyl episode. So here is his story. It is not one of the long stories, and I'm afraid I won't be able to go into much details, as I was just four or five when it occurred. Now then, how better to start this? Well, I suppose with me going to bed. Imagine any typical Soviet-style bed couch with a container underneath the bed part. It's in the corner of the room with the pillow at the corner. There's a huge, typical Soviet-style wardrobe just to the left, so my brother pulling a prank like what is about to happen was not possible. So here is what happened. I'm half asleep and moving around in the bed. I reach out with my hand and I feel the touch of a warm human skin. My first thought was that it was mother, but then I remember, my mom sleeps in the other room together with my grandmother. I'm disturbed and I decide to look up just what it is that I have taken a hold of. It's a palm, I know. Just a palm itself does not make a scary sight, but it's where this hand is coming from that makes this a terrifying experience. You know there is the edge of the bed, and the palm is coming out from it. The most disturbing part, though, my bed has been pushed to the wall, so there is no way of anyone getting behind it and pulling a prank on me. As I just saw this hand in front of me, I panicked. I ran to the other room screaming, where my mom and grandma were sleeping. Needless to say, the commotion woke them up. I explained what had happened, and we went to check it out. But when we came back, there was nothing there. I do understand nightmares. I've done plenty of drugs to know how trips and distortions in reality look and feel, but this, I refuse to believe that what I felt was a dream or anything else but reality. Up to this day, I still remember the event, and I still remember the warmth of the hand seemingly coming out of the wall. That's certainly a pretty disturbing story. I know I would definitely freak out if I felt a hand coming out of seemingly nowhere. Now, as any possible explanations, whenever I hear of anything paranormal or any weird experiences like this when someone's going to bed, the first thought that pops into my mind is sleep paralysis. And if you don't know what sleep paralysis is, it's a phenomenon in which someone is trying to fall asleep or either waking up, and as the name implies, suddenly they're completely paralyzed, unable to move or speak or act in any way. It is often accompanied by very scary hallucinations at times. Some people get the feeling that someone is watching them or that there's just something in the room with them at the time, but they are just frozen to the bed and can't react. So while I think that could be a possible explanation, the fact that 
Carlos was able to actually move and get out of bed somewhat disproves that. I guess it is possible that it all just some kind of dream. I know I have, and I'm sure many of our listeners have had experiences where they're in a sleepy, semi-conscious state, and they either dream or experience something that feels very real to them, but in reality it's all just in their subconscious. It it does seem unlikely that it was a real person, or a real hand, just the fact that he says several times, just the way that his bed's laid out, that there is no way that anyone could reach up and get him as if they were pulling a prank. So in the end, honestly, I have no idea what could cause this type of experience. I can definitely understand why it would make a lasting impression. I know if I was just a little kid and I saw some hand coming, seemingly coming out of nowhere to grab my own hand, it would probably stick with me to this day too. So great story, very creepy. Thank you, Carlos, for sending that in. Alright, so let's move on to our second creepy personal story. This one coming from Jay. And his tale goes like this. My wife and I moved into my parents' house when my uncle died unexpectedly in 2009. They had to move in with my grandmother to take care of her, so we assumed ownership of my parents' house. Now this house has been the watering hole for my town back in the day. The well is in the basement. It is a hole in my basement floor covered by a five-foot-wide slate rock. This is important because our priest told us that spirits can travel along waterways, which is why every time we bless the house, it is only calm for a few months before things start happening again. Anyways, we move into the house and things are nice. Everything is calm and my wife, fiancé at the time, and I are happy to be out of my sister's house. Once my wife gets pregnant, however, things kick into high gear. Her shoes go missing on a daily basis, when every day she puts them in the same spot after work. One day, when she was in the attic, she heard a woman ask, Is that my baby? She said the woman sounded genuinely confused as to whose unborn baby she was pregnant with. Things kept escalating until one night when I was about to turn off the lights and go to bed, I saw a black mass by my wife's side of the bed. It was pitch black and completely solid. Before I realized what I was looking at, my hand flipped off the lights and my sleeping wife immediately started speaking in what sounded like French. Since we took French in high school and college, we deduced that she was saying, Je me suis, which means I am myself. The next evening we were at a play rehearsal for our local acting group and we talked to our friend Rhonda. As we were talking with her about random bits and small talk, we noticed she seemed very distracted. She kept glancing quickly from side to side, the way you would if you were watching a bug zigzag around a room. We asked what is going on and she said, I know this sounds crazy, but there is this black thing in the auditorium. Every time I try to look at it, it moves. I just can't get a fix on it. Obviously we freaked out and immediately told her our story. We leave the auditorium and call a priest to have a blessing for our house. As he is blessing the house, he stops and does a double take at one of the crosses hanging on the wall. After the blessing is over, he goes back and asks about it. My wife said it is beautiful and that it just called to her. She had to have it, she said. He leaned back and said, hmm, that's interesting. It's a Benedictine crucifix. We looked at each other and replied with, um, okay. And the priest continued to say, Benedictine crucifixes are used in exorcisms. It is very interesting that this crucifix called out to you so strongly. 
Very creepy story, Jay. Thank you for sharing that with us. Sounds like we have a lot going on in this story. It's almost like a typical haunted house. You seem to have a couple creepy things going at once. You have that voice that the wife hears in the attic asking about the babies. You have things going missing. And of course, the most disturbing is this black mass that just seems to be following them and almost like a shadow. Very interesting story, very creepy. Gave me chills the first time I read it. So once again, Jay, thanks for sharing that with us. Now let's move on to our third scary story of the episode. This one comes from Jeremy, and he writes, One of the scariest things I've ever witnessed was in Mesa, Arizona. I lived there from 2004 to 2006, and actually sought psychological help over what I was seeing, because I had witnessed it repeatedly over a period of about two weeks. It was during a time when my daughter was very sick and had been hospitalized, and my wife and I were getting very little sleep. This whole thing was chalked up to hallucination brought on by sleep deprivation by the psychologist that I consulted. And this is what Jeremy saw. One day, while driving home from work on Highway 60 East heading from Phoenix to Mesa, I saw a swerving car in my peripheral vision to my right. As I turned my head to watch the car take an off-ramp, I then noticed a tall black figure standing on a rooftop overlooking a driveway about 100 yards from the road I was driving on. I got a good look at it for about 4 or 5 seconds. If I had to estimate its height, I would say 7 to 8 feet tall. It had a black cloak with a black hood, which did not appear to have an opening for anyone to see through. I thought it was a mannequin at first, but just before it passed out of my field of view, it crouched down towards the edge of the roof looking down towards an empty driveway. This is all from what I could see from the freeway. I couldn't keep watching it and continue to drive safely, and I didn't tell anyone about it for a couple of weeks. However, I saw this figure three or four more times in the following week. I would see this figure sometimes on my way home along a stretch of road between Dobson and Guadalupe on Highway 60 East, and always to the right facing south. I brought a camera with me towards the end of the week, but I didn't see it again for another seven days. When I finally saw it again, I hurried to grab my camera to turn it on, but I was traveling too fast to have a chance to turn the camera on, aim, and shoot a clear picture. After turning the camera off, I saw another figure. I'm not sure if it was the same one or different, but this one was much closer on top of one of the light poles on the right side of the highway, some 50 feet in the air. This one was crouched down and appeared to be following me with its gaze, which terrified me, because it had never previously indicated that it was aware of me looking at it. I was immediately struck with fear, and I checked for another visual in my rearview mirror after I passed, but it was not there. I was unable to sleep for over a week after that, and I felt paranoid as if it was paying attention to me now that I was trying to document proof of its existence. This is when I shared my experience with my wife, and when I decided to seek a professional opinion. I'm still not convinced that this was sleep deprivation causing me to hallucinate, but I haven't seen anything similar since this traumatic two-week period. Thank you, Jeremy, for sending that in. Another very disturbing, creepy story. It's almost as if he was seeing the literal representation of death, as we all think of it. You know, a big black hooded figure with a big cloak kind of lurking in the background. I don't know if he was subconsciously thinking about that because his daughter was hospitalized and very sick. Perhaps death was on his mind. And the fact that he hadn't slept much in a few weeks probably didn't help much at all. 
It's a shame he couldn't get a picture of what he was seeing just to clear it all up if it was something there or if it was all in his head. If this was just a one-time thing, I could see how it probably could be a person. I mean, maybe there's some person just fixing their roof. But the fact that he was seeing it multiple times at different locations kind of seems unlikely that it's, you know, just a few tall guys pulling a prank on Jeremy. So in the end, I can't say for certain if he was actually witnessing or experiencing something paranormal or if it was just all in his head. Either way, very creepy and scary. With that, let's move on to our next experience. This one sent in by Karat. And his story goes, One night, when I was about 8 to 10 years old, I was sitting on my bed reading a book. My mom had gone out grocery shopping, and my grandma was upstairs watching TV, so I was in the basement alone. My bedroom is also right next to the stairs, which creaked like crazy even if our cat went up or down, so I always knew if someone was coming downstairs. The way I was sitting on my bed, I could see through the bathroom and out the living room where I was. My mom had left a light on in the living room, and I was sitting right next to the bathroom. For some odd reason, I felt compelled to look up for my book at that instant. I didn't feel afraid or nervous or hear anything. I just looked up. The moment I looked up, behind the desk that the light was on, I saw a shadow walk through the living room. It was probably six and a half to seven feet tall. It was pretty vague in shape. All I could make out was the shoulders and head, and on top of the head what looked like a boulder hat. No arms, and I couldn't see if there were legs or not because the desk blocked it from view from the waist down. It was solid black. It walked, or I should say glided rather, since it didn't bob up and down like a person does when they walk. Within two to three feet of my light my mom had left on, yet no light reflected off of it, and it didn't cast a shadow on the wall behind it. It went past the doorway and out of sight. I threw my book down, opened the second door in my room that led to the staircase, and bolted upstairs. I told my grandma what had just happened, but she just laughed and said I must have been imagining things. I told my mom when she got home, though, and she believed me, because she had seen things too. So yeah, it wasn't something out of the corner of my eye, or something I saw half asleep. It was something that I looked directly at while wide awake, and I'll never forget it. Thank you, Karat. Uh, story gave me chills again, just reading through it. This is another experience of someone seeing just some kind of black, shadowy mass walking through their house. And obviously, as he states, Karat wasn't sleepy or anything. He was pretty wide awake reading, and he just happened to look up and get a glimpse of this object or figure or whatever it is walking through his house. He mentioned that his mother saw some things also. It would be interesting to know if she experienced anything similar. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that could explain this. It's kind of weird just to have this solid black object passing through, especially since it went right past a light, and no light was reflected and didn't cast a shadow or anything. So it's not like it was an actual object. Again, another creepy story involving a kid. Certainly easy to see why why this experience sticks with him through all these years. I'm scared now just reading about it, so I can only imagine what was going through his mind when he was actually seeing it. Alright, so thank you Karat for sending in your very creepy story. Now we will be moving on to our final experience and tale of the episode. This one is from Chris, and Chris's story goes, When my wife and I moved to St. Joseph, we purchased our first house. 
It was an older home, built in 1912, but it was in pretty good shape. I say was because we are the parents of two small boys who get into everything, or their oldest fond of coloring on the walls. We all lived in the house for a month or two, when our oldest son, who was not quite three at the time, began to fly down the stairs in tears, screaming to high hell. He would be horrified and tell us about a man in his room. We chalked it up just to an overactive imagination. Shortly after, I had a night where I just couldn't sleep. I went downstairs and stepped onto the porch for a cigarette. When I was going back up to the stairs to my wife's night bedroom, I heard a voice say, leave. Was it in my imagination? Sleep deprivation? A squeaky stare that sounded like something else? Could have been. A month or so later, our son was now three and our second son had been born. It was about nine in the morning when my wife bolted out of bed. I asked her what was wrong and she said that she had seen someone in the hallway. She said it was like a black shadowy mass that came out of our oldest boy's room. I poked my head into his room and he was lying in bed sleeping, nothing out of the ordinary. Could it have just been that my wife was half asleep, thinking that someone was going into our son's room? We talked about some of the things that had been going on, and even though a few things that had happened could be explained away by being tired, it still seemed odd to us that nothing like this had ever happened to us until we moved in. Perhaps something else was at work here. Our three-year-old saw an old cartoon, a classic that I'm sure we were all watched growing up. I'm talking about Scooby-Doo. This was his first taste of the paranormal on television. Instead of running down the stairs screaming about a man in his room, he was running down the room screaming, Ghost! One day I asked him if he talked to the ghost, and he said that he did. I asked him if he knew the ghost's name, and he smiled and said, It's Horse. A ghost named Horse. It must have been just his imagination. One night while I was at work, I got a phone call from my wife. She told me that a window at the top of the stairs had been broken. She had been in the kitchen cooking dinner at the time. Her oldest was in the toy room off to the kitchen, and our youngest was sleeping. She said she heard a loud crash, went to investigate, and found the window was broken. Oddly, the glass was pushed towards the outside, meaning that whatever broke the window broke it from the inside. The layout of the house doesn't allow for any sort of breeze in that spot, and everyone was accounted for. We decided to do a bit of research into our house. I spent that night going Google crazy and began to turn up some interesting facts. The people who had lived in our house during World War II had a son that left the home and became a fireman in the Navy. We never figure out what happened to him, but we know he went missing in action and that his body was never recovered. It was when I found out the young man's name that I thought about my son and what he had said. A shiver ran down my spine. The young man's name was Horace. We found out that he had a sister who lived in town. Strangely, she passed away around the same time that we began to have experiences in the house. Perhaps some sort of sibling robbery can continue after death? I hope not. I grew up the only boy with four sisters. My wife and I began to make improvements around the house. Painting, fixing cracks in the plaster, installing new light fixtures, and all that fun stuff. The strange activity in the house began to die off after that, no pun intended. Perhaps Horace and his sister saw that we were able to take care of the place and decided that maybe with us living there, the house would be okay in our hands. That's the end of Chris's story. 
Another tale of a seemingly haunted house. Once again, we have another encounter with some sort of black shadowy mass. It's almost like that was the theme of this episode. It is a, definitely a creepy coincidence about the little son who was seeing a ghost and thought his name was Horse, and it just happened that a person who lived in the house beforehand, whose name was Horace. On the other hand, it could just be a strange coincidence, and that the son actually just named a ghost horse. Sounds like something a three-year-old would do. Regardless of any explanations you come up with, certainly a very creepy story. But at least things started to die down once they made home improvements. Maybe it was just old pipes and squeaky floors the whole time. And that wraps up the last of our personal paranormal experiences. So thanks to everyone who shared their stories with us, and I hope all you listeners enjoyed listening to them. This is also our 30th episode, which is something special to me, because honestly, when we came up with this idea to do a podcast, I didn't know if we'd get beyond three episodes. And here we are already ten times past that. I was actually just going to be happy if we got, you know, a hundred listens total when we start out, and here we are getting 100,000 listens in a single month. So it's all been a great experience. We're having a very fun time putting together this podcast for all you listeners. Thanks to everyone who's shown us support. We are still working to improve the podcast all the time. We're always planning and thinking ways to make the podcast even better. We're working on bringing out more episodes, improving our quality of the podcast overall, and hope to just keep growing and reaching more listeners all the time. So thanks to everyone who has listened and shared and supported us. And also big thanks to everyone who shared their stories for this episode. Definitely some very interesting and creepy experiences. Now that this episode is over, I'm starting to think of what our next listener project episode can be. I know we have listeners from all over the world. Honestly, we had some listeners who live in countries that I didn't know existed. Sorry about that. Blame the public school system. But this gave me an idea, just because we do have listeners from not only all over America, but all over the world. And since we are big fans of myths and urban legends, I wanted to give all you listeners the opportunity to send in what are some of the local superstitions or myths or urban legends that come from where you live. Whether it's your city, your county, or even your country. If you have something very unusual or strange or anything that you think that we'd be interested in and would like to share with the other listeners of Strange Matters. If you do have something like that from where you live, please let us know. You can reach us and send in your story at our email, strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you have any ideas for any other future episodes, send in your suggestions there as well. You can also comment, listen, and download all of our episodes at our website, strangematterspodcast.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we have a Facebook page and a Twitter. Strange Matters is also a member of the Dark Myths Collective, a podcast. So if you are looking for other creepy or paranormal podcasts or even something different, we have some fictional stories and history podcasts there as well. So please check out the whole lineup at darkmyths.org. Also, if you are listening to us on iTunes and enjoy the podcast, please take the time to rate us and leave us a review means a lot to us to read your feedback, and it also helps promote the show so we can reach more listeners. Until the next time at the Strange Matters Podcast, take care, everybody.